It's apparent that God is speaking to us today. Do you believe that? We're about to embark upon His Word, and based upon that, we know that God is speaking to us. Not only is God speaking to us as His people, but He wants you to take Him at His Word. To take God at His Word. I wonder who here today would join me as we stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord. Mark chapter 12. I wonder who here would stand with me as we read in honor of the Word of the Lord. We'll be looking at verses 38 through 44 with a sermon that I have entitled, Hubris and Humility. And the Word of the Lord begins in verse 38 and says, And in His teaching, He said, Beware of the scribes who look to walk around in long robes and like greeting in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honor at feasts, who devour a widow's house and for a pretense make long prayers, for they will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite side of the treasury, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came, and she put two small copper coins or two mites, which make a penny. And, his, uh, and he called his disciples, and, and he said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything that she had, all she had to live on. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of the Word of the Lord, and that word to our heart and mind. You may be seated. Now, in today's sermon, my objective is to view two opposing positions. The two opposing positions is one of the dangers of pride and the other the importance of humbleness. And by the way, we see this all through God's Word. The importance of being humble and how God will bring down the prideful. It's all in God's Word. Almost every chapter of the Bible has hints of this solid biblical truth. I have learned an invaluable lesson in my life. As a child of God in Christ Jesus, I have learned a lesson over the years that God has a way of humbling the proud. When I think that I have done something in and of myself, the Lord has a way of bringing down the humble or lifting up the humble and bringing down the prideful. In fact, there is a scripture that expounds upon this very truth. In the book of James, James writes, chapter 4, verse 6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And a few verses on down in verse 10, same book, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And by the way, a side note there, God does not, humble, uh, God does not exalt you so that you might be proud and prideful. God might exalt someone so they themselves might continue to be humbled. And knowing that it is all the work of the Lord Jesus, and we bring nothing to the table. In the words of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he says, There must be a deep and lowly prostration of the Spirit before God 
If your heart has never been broken, how can he bind it up? If it was never wounded, how can he heal it? The life of a Christ follower in Jesus is full of ups and downs. Good times, bad times, mountaintops and valleys. And I would submit to you, when we are in the valley, it is God who mends the brokenhearted. Of course, much of this humility from the book of James has to do with resisting the devil. For with humility, there is the polar opposite of humility, and that is the champion of sin, also called pride. St. Augustine was the one that said, it is pride that is at the foundation of almost every sin. See, the Lord Jesus up until this point has been challenged by the religious order almost on every front. We read them as the Sadducees, the scribes, the Pharisees the chief priests, the Sanhedrin. They have been challenging the Lord Jesus on almost every front of His ministry. Every place that the Lord Jesus went, except for to get alone by Himself and pray, it seems as as He returns from that ministry, there has been the religious order of the day to challenge Him at almost every turn. From the chief priests challenging Jesus on the authority in the temple to the scribes wondering about the most important commandment, Jesus could not travel hardly anywhere and minister without opposition from the religious high order of Israel. And sometimes we would call these folks the legalists of the day. And what I mean by that is they were adding to the law of God adding something there in the law that was not there. And they challenged Jesus almost on every turn. And if we recall last week, we looked at what it takes to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. What did we learn last week about surrendering to the Lordship of Christ? Very simple, foundational truth. What it looks like to fall under the Lordship of Christ is that we obey Him. Simple, right? And as we obey Him, we serve Him, right? And as we serve Him, we love others as ourselves. Those are always huge themes and truths in Scripture. And they are absolutes. To love God and love others. See, if He is Lord, we say He is Lord of my life. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Yes, He is. Then we will love and we will worship and we will serve Him. But let's take that a step further. If He is Lord... And as we love, worship, serve Him, we will love our neighbor as ourselves. It's kind of an overflow, right? So in today's narrative, in Mark, we see the two positions of pride and humility demonstrated in the scribe and the widow giving an offering. Which one do you think represents which? Let's investigate and see. First, we see Jesus saying, beware of the scribes. And we could say that Jesus is... Kind of, he's warning his disciples, beware of the mindset of the scribes, beware of their mentality. He says this, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greeting in the marketplaces. In other words, they like being seen by others. There are people in the body of Christ today who would consider themselves to be super spiritual and they, and they want you to know about it too. In many ways, modern-day scribes exist to, even to this day. 
And so Jesus is giving his disciples a warning against the scribes in this mindset, for they are really not masters of the law of the Lord like they wish to think that they are. These scribes want everyone to know that they are scribes and they have a prominent place in the temple. So the warning is, here's the warning. They walk around with long robes, and this robe is called a talith, which should be this slide right here. Now this might be a modern-day version of what this is, but this is what the robe would have looked like. This was the garment that was used in time of prayer in the temple. So make a note of that. This was the, this was the garment that they would put on when they would go in the temple to pray. And so walking around with them on in the marketplace was nothing more than to boast in their position. I'll never forget hearing about this, this pastor who went into, into, this, into this grocery store. And there was a long line in this grocery store. This grocery store also had a, a kitchen in it as well. And, and this, this fellow did not want to wait in this long line. He said, I shouldn't have to wait in this line. I'm a pastor. And I thought to myself, well, brother, you need to be in the back of the line. Serving. How could you lead if you can't serve? And here they are, boasting in their position. It would be like, and listen, listen to this comparison. It would be like if the choir was to sing in their robes. It's been a long time since the choir had used the robes. But let's say, for instance, the choir one Sunday morning, they put on their robes and then went out to lunch after Sunday worship so that the waitress would know how important they are as part of the choir. Can you imagine that? You'd probably be eating like this, trying not to get anything on your robe. Wanting, to, wanting people to know how important they are as part of the temple process of worship. The only reason that they greet in the marketplace is so people can see them and not out of genuine concern. In today's local churches, they, would, they might walk around in a three-piece suit condemning others who don't wear like they do. And there has been, let me say this, let me go ahead and get this out of the way. There has been so much contention over dress and attire that it has made people almost forget why we are meeting in the first place. So we need to be reminded, we meet to worship Jesus and not to examine fashion habits. See, we learn a lot from the scribes and we learn from their way of life. This is why Jesus prefaced this discourse by saying, Beware. Beware of this way of thinking. They have a, the best seed in the synagogue and places of honor at feasts. It, it might look something like this today. They might have a, a prayer meeting amongst many different pastors in the community. And uh, you might be invited to join in a a, what you might call an ecumenical meeting, meaning that there are many different denominations coming together and pastors of those denominations coming together. And they may have been invited to a prayer meeting. And as they walk in the door, they might say, hey, you're a pastor, come sit up here with us. We want people to know that you're a pastor. 
If one was to look at the best seats from the congregational standpoint, the scribes were seated right in front or near the scrolls that contained the word of the Lord. They were also at the best seats when they went to dine in someone's home. In other words, there was no humility exhibited in any of their actions. But the worst part of the depravity from the scribes comes in this way. I believe it comes in verse 40. So, you do not have to look very far to see depravity on display in the world. Look at the news tonight. And I won't name any news broadcast networks. I won't name them because many of them you can hardly trust. But that's here or there. Depravity on display for this scribal mindset from the scribes comes in verse 40. They devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, they make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. The reason that this is such an abomination, the reason that this is such an atrocious act, is it deals with swindling widows and their money and property by twisting Scripture. They would use their position of authority to gain property and other items from grieving widows. Taking advantage of widows. Why do you think it is that James talks about pure religion is this, to visit and to minister to the fatherless and to the widows? Because it's the polar opposite of this. And by the way, this is not the first or the last time that people use the word of God to to get some ill-gotten gain. And quite frankly, the twisting of Scripture for ill-gotten gain is, is more popular now than it has ever been on TV. And I could probably call out a slew of TV preachers of, of the prosperity gospel that have twisted the word for ill-gotten gain. TV preachers and word of faith personalities are littered all throughout the countryside. And then guess what happened? The pandemic, COVID-19, right? You're not going to be able to blow COVID-19 away by your breath. You're not going to be able to speak it into existence that it be gone. So this, this pandemic, in a way, has begun to purge the landscape, purge it. From all the word of faith preachers and personalities that have littered our countryside, exploiting the helpless. Now those points are easy to condemn because most of us feel quite divorced from that. Well, we're not part of any of that. And, and so in, in a way we feel that we are divorced from that way of thinking. And many of us here would condemn that way of thinking. But how does this deal with the local assembly? How does, how does beware of the scribes affect you, Piney Grove? First, I would say to admonish all of us not to twist scriptures to manipulate. It's easy to do. We are to read and study God's word in context and never, ever, ever forget the role of the Holy Spirit in reading and studying the scriptures. Every time we approach God's Word, we must say, God, show me how you're speaking to me today. And He will. 
And he will. I could also think that we can learn some things from the scribes about putting others before ourselves. Something these scribes were not up to, putting others before themselves. The scribes would, would, would greet with the pretense of looking spiritual. But, but we must do so in order to invest in people's lives. We don't greet people just so we can be seen. We don't go and, and meet or, or visit people just so we can be seen with the pretense of looking spiritual, but so that we might invest in people's lives. Saying something like, how can I pray for you today? And genuinely mean that. How many times have we said, I'll be praying for you, brother. I'll be praying for you, sister. And we walk out and we never pray for the person. Or saying, how can I help you today in any way? How can I help you? And genuinely mean it. Or just go and do it. Jesus said to the scribes, and for those who are likewise prideful, they will receive the greater condemnation. I sure don't want to stand before the Lord God Almighty with this on my docket before Him. The way of the scribe, modern or not, is so divorced from the gospel that they would never share the gospel because they don't care for those who are under them. They don't care if the Gentile stays unclean. They don't care about loving the neighbor as themselves. I read this the other day from an author, an unknown author, specifically on humility or on pride, something that we do not see in the lives of the scribes. I read this from an author, an unknown author the other day, and I, and I thought it was good, so I'm going I'm to share it with you. And the quote is something like this. It says, When a servant of Christ is willing to take a back seat or to yield the preeminence to others, he or she is making surrender which is well-pleasing to his meek and lowly master. So, to be like Christ is to humble oneself. And just say, yeah, well, there might be somebody who can preach or teach better than I can. Who might be able to sing better than I can? Maybe they would have an opportunity to minister. The quote goes on and says, One of the hardest things to many a Christian is to serve his Savior as a private when his pride tells him that he ought to wear a shoulder strap. And to wear that shoulder strap in Christ's army. Ought to be a general in the army of the Lord. Ought to be a general, ought to be a commander, not a private. Listen, I would be a private if it means just to serve the Lord Jesus. I want you to listen closely. Every single child of God through Christ who hears my voice this morning, every single Christ follower is important in the kingdom of God. But no one is better than the next. See, I was a child of God in Christ before I ever was a pastor. In fact, I spent 11 years as a trash man, slinging garbage. I was a child of God through Christ before I ever darkened the pulpit. Before I ever went to seminary. I was a follower of Jesus. Before you were a deacon, 
You were a follower of Christ before you were a Sunday school teacher or a leader. You were a follower of Jesus first and foremost. And if the scribes taught us anything, it would be to be humbled before Christ and to know our place in His kingdom. I think of these words as the early reformer would echo through my head often. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Because it is about Christ and not about me. Beware of pride and arrogance. But also, Jesus said, take notice of the poor widow. Take notice of the poor widow. The opposing position to pride is humility. And Jesus is going to use the widow in in these next verses as this example. Scribes, hubris of pride. The widow, humility. He sat down the opposite side of the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. There were many rich people who had come by and they had put large sums of money And by the way, it is not a sin for rich people to put large sums of money. It's the value, it's where your heart's at, okay, and and the places the rich have. I I heard a professor one time say that, that money can be an idol whether you have it or not. If you don't have it, you spend your life trying to get it, and if you have it, you spend your life trying to keep it. So it become an idol either way. All right, let's go on, verse 42. And a poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. Now, humility is seen in the widow, not so much by the actual amount that is given, but her willingness to give all that she had. I got to admit that this was very convicting Uh, To be honest with you, as I work through this, remember last week I said that I'm kind of like, I would like to be like Bob Ross instead of painting a happy little picture into the painting. I would paint myself into the painting. And so as I'm reading this, it really become a conviction to me because I thought to myself, when was the last time that I gave sacrificially? When was the last time that I've ever done that? It goes all the way back to love your Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and then to love your neighbor. It really does stem back to this teaching. And so that's why it's so important when we say that we give into the treasury, if you will, that we do so as an act of worship, examining our hearts. Why are we giving in the first place? One would suspect if she gave with the wrong motives that the Lord Jesus would have surely called her out on it. So her intentions and motives were worshipful. And all these people were putting their money in the offering box, and and, and these were what we might consider the big spenders or the good tithers. And this particular place was called the treasury and was a portion of the temple of the court which was set aside for women to put their money in. There was altogether 13 chests all throughout the temple. And this one was designated for women and was a place that was about 200 square feet. And the chest was something like a a trumpet. You would blow a trumpet. If you were to set that trumpet down on its base, the skinny end at the top, this is what this treasury box would have looked like. Narrow part pointing up. 
Many well-to-do or rich people would come through without ever thinking about what they were giving, without ever thinking of, of sacrifice. Because I would say this, that giving is, is easy when you have an abundant amount. Again, as I has, was convicted by this, I challenged myself to give sacrificially. Just like there is an extreme position between pride and humility, there is a position here, of a, the extreme position of rich and the poor. And the, and the widow, who by implication of her title and plight of life in her life, lost her livelihood when she lost her husband. And she put all that she had in. She gave it all. She put all that she had into the treasury. And what she placed in there was worth a day's wages. And some would say it was a fraction of a penny. Some would say it was about two-fifths of a cent. Not very much, but it was all she had. And the master teacher, Jesus, says it's not about the amount of money that matters. It is the intent of the gift and the motive of the giver. And he called his disciples to him and he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put more in than all those who are contributing to the offering box. And that would let you know that the Lord Jesus knew their motives too. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of the poverty and has put in everything that she has, all that she had to live on. Now, whereas pride here is seen in the scribes that has to do with self, self-worthiness and arrogance and a sense of I deserve this or entitlement, humility is seen in the widow as a reliance on God and the God of creation to supply her needs. Humility will move one to trust in the sovereign hand of God and vice versa. And the sovereign hand of God will lead one to trust in the Lord. See, at the end of the day, giving sacrificially and in this way, the widow shows us that her reliance was in God. That God was going to supply her need as she gave all that she had. I'll never forget the time that I was, I was listening to a series of sermons. I'll never forget this. I was listening to a sermon, and something caught my ear. I heard the preacher say, I wonder if I was to sit back and watch you all during offering, how many would come and, and give? How many would come up and give? And what caught my ear was this phrase, You all. You all. I remember thinking to myself, giving is not about watching you all. The only person who can watch and say you all in the history of history is the Lord Jesus himself. Who can examine the motives of every worshiper, whether or not their intentions were worshipful and true, to say you all. I remember thinking to myself, it's not about watching you all, it's about you too. Don't ever divorce yourself from being affected by the Word of God. 
Not only were the motives of the scribes broken, but the whole religious institution was broken. It it, it was broken for it allowed the widow to put all that she had in the offering box instead of somebody in the religious order saying, how might we help you today? So it was broken. And let me say this, without God's Holy Spirit, without redemption, without the Lord moving His church, we would be broken too. It was broken. They allowed this widow to come and give all that she had instead of them ministering to her and meeting her need. And I often find this in ministry, and maybe you have to, some of the most generous, some of the most joyful givers, charitable givers, are those that have little. Now, in a more Christocentric, Christ-centered way, the humility of the, of the widow also points to the humility of Christ to the point of the cross. I don't think that we can pass this without thinking of the humility of Christ, of Christ to the cross. See, see, the widow gave all that she had, and Jesus gave his life. We, would, we often say, you, you can't never outgive God. You ever heard somebody say that? You ever said that yourself? You can't never outgive God, and that is true, but it's not only true in tithes and offerings and what we give sacrificially, but it also comes so much sobering in the sense of giving Christ's life for our sake, and we cannot outgive God there. So, in the greatest sense of it, the widow and her humility shines a light, if you will. Maybe a foreshadowing even. Maybe an implication of the cross of Christ who gave it all when he laid his life down. And, and therefore, we would never be able to outgive the Lord. Meaning, I can't work for my salvation. I can't work for it. So on one hand, we have pride seen in the scribe. On the other hand, we have humility seen And the lowly widow who gave all that she had, pointing us to think about the cross of Christ. It is the cross of Christ that we gather around the communion table. It is the cross of Christ, the reason that we partake in the Lord's Supper. It is the cross of Christ that we think about the body that was broken on the, on the whipping post, beat to a place of unrecognition. It is his sacrifice, and the reason we gather around this morning. For those who are serving communion this morning, for our deacons, we'll ask you if you'll come at this time and, and prepare the elements and distribute the elements.